Well, good morning. That was a nice cross there, Matt. That was, that was great. Good. Good job there. Well, I, uh, my name is Brian Alquist. It's great to be with you this weekend. Hopefully you guys got out and got to see some fireworks. Did you get to see the fireworks? Awesome. We did. We took kids downtown and, and uh, it was festive. It was wonderful. We had a great time doing that. It is always a good time. Well, I am going to talk about change today. And I don't know if you could hear the song when I walked up here, but um, whenever I planned to speak, I do it every good teaching pastor tries to do. I sit and I pray and I ask the Lord, Lord, please show me something from your scripture so that I can share with everyone. And the only thing that came into my head was David Bowie. <laughs> changes. Aren't you glad I'm not in the worship song? There, you know, that'd be scary. But turn and face the strange. You know, time may change me, but I can't trace time. That, I could not get that out of my head. I was like, Lord, please make it go away. But I did come across a passage that really, really fit this nicely, and it's from Ecclesiastes. This is written in the Old Testament by King Solomon, and um, he shares about change in this. It's in chapter 3. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I just want to give you an idea uh, about it, because it's, it's a pretty interesting passage. Solomon, the, the, the wisest of all the kings that ever lived, he wrote this. He said, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. And then he starts listing all these things that change. He says, there's a, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to weep and a time to laugh. He says, there's a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. Apparently, Solomon had a lot of time on his hands. You know, it's like, all right, I need all the servants. We're going to gather stones today, and then tomorrow we will scatter them again. <laughs> yes, that's right, lots of time. But he would say there's time for this and there's time for that. Well, what ushers in all of these different times? Change does. Something has to change if at one minute, you know, you're being born and the next you're at the end of your life. There's a change that, that takes place. If you're planted somewhere and you need to uproot and move, a change has taken place. Obviously. When I read this passage, it's one of those passages that when I study, I can't quite tell if I'm supposed to be excited about this or be sort of convicted and bummed out. You know, I'm like, change, okay, a time for this and a time for that. But the truth is, you guys, when it comes to change, is all change bad? No. Change is both bad and good. It's both of those things. Change is strange. It's strange, just like David Bowie sang about. It can be beautiful and it can be ugly. So today we're going to do, as David Bowie suggests, we're going to turn and face the strange. So let's begin with some prayer. Let's do that. Lord, I, I thank you for East Point. I thank you for these people. I thank you for the visitors. Thank you for an incredibly beautiful weekend, Lord. Wow, gorgeous out. And Lord, I want to pray that this morning my words that I choose and the stories, I guess, that I choose uh, would, would be used by you for all of us this morning. I think we've all heard it said, Lord, that uh, the one thing we can count on is, is change, but that's not true. There's another thing we can count on, actually, another person we can count on, another consistent thing, and that is you. You're the same yesterday. You're the same today. You're the same tomorrow. You're always with us, Lord. You're always loving us. You're fighting for us. You're fighting for our good, Lord. You give us what we really need when we need it, Jesus. So, Father, today, help us to remember that as a truth and help us to learn to trust you. 
And I ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Like it or not, change is coming. Change is coming. Change is ever, ever present. It's all around us, all of the time. It's up in our faces. What Solomon was telling us is that seasons of change come in all sorts of ways. Have you looked in the mirror lately? You're changing. You're changing. I don't know about you, but uh, when I grew up, I, or when I was growing up, I thought, man, I don't think I ever want to totally look like my dad, you know? And, and now that I get older, I mean, I loved my dad. He was wise. He was wonderful, but I never loved his body. And I look in the mirror, and I'm like, well, I think I need to work on something. Change is happening. You see those wrinkles? It's kicking in. There's relational changes. We, we uh, can gain friendships. We can gain family members. We can gain mentors. We can even gain pets, which are wonderful and fun. And we can lose those things too, and that's tough. But that is also a change. There's environmental changes. There's warm climates. There's cold climates, dark climates, light climates, wet climates, dry climates, loud climates, quiet climates, <gasps> spacious climates, crowded climates, right? That can have an impact on us. In fact, Alaska is known for something called SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder, where when it gets dark and cold out for, I don't know, how many months does that last? Four months or something like that? People get bummed out. Gee, I wonder why. You know, I'm from Minnesota, and you know why I moved here? Because the winters are half as long here, and I won't feel sad. It's happy. Trust me, I don't like shoveling snow in the middle of May, which is what I would often do there. There's cultural changes. Our society can go through some changes. What our federal government does, what our local government does, what our schools do, that has an impact on us. It can create change. There's historical changes. How many, remembers, how many here remember where they were on 9-11 when you heard the news? That impacted us immediately. It happened right away. But yet, historically, some things can happen very slowly. Over the last 30 to 40 years, uh, we've seen the rise in dual incomes, which is, you know, which has some good things and it has some bad things. You know, one of the good things is we see uh, far more equality with women in the workplaces and other things. That has happened over decades of time instead of just in an instant. There's philosophical and spiritual changes. You guys, beliefs and, and perspectives influence change and attitude, doesn't it? What you believe matters. That's why Jesus said in, in, in Matthew 12, 34, he said this, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and obviously the evil person would bring the evil things that are stored up in them. Change is all around us, you guys. It's happening all the time, both good and bad, but I guarantee it's always happening. It's always happening. Well, there's a couple types of change as I was sitting and thinking about this, and uh, I'm kind of the master of the obvious. And so uh, type one is the unexpected change. You know what I'm talking about? Like you come home and your wife announces, hey, guess what? We're pregnant. <laughs> Yay? Right? That's kind of great. That could be a really good thing. That could be a little scary thing, especially if you just empty nested. Right? Yeah, you celebrated a little too much. Yeah. Job promotions. Those can be really, really fun, unexpected things, but it can also be a challenging sort of unexpected change. 
A move to a new city or town, new state, that can be a change. You can have an unexpected change from your tax guy as he announced that you are getting a return. That's good, but you may also own taxes, right? In 1999, I I went into full-time ministry. I've been doing this about 15 years now. And one of the reasons I went into it is because I wanted to. I really felt a call. My wife really believed I was called to to go into ministry. But to be honest, I loved what I used to do. I used to work as a registered nurse, and I loved that job. I loved it. But in the mid-90s, I got a little bit of a surprise. I I noticed my back started to hurt a lot at work. And I'm in my mid-20s back then. And... um, I wish I could say that was still still true now, but it's not. But I was in my mid-20s, and my back started to bug me. In fact, I went for a run one day, and it went out so bad I couldn't walk for five days. So I went in, I got an x-ray, I got an MRI, and surprise, they came up to me and they said, so tell us when you broke your back. And I was like, what are you talking about? Is that someone else's x-ray you're looking at? Because I didn't break my back. Yeah, you broke it probably when you were between 6 and 10 years old. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I used to fly in helicopters and ride in, in planes as a nurse. It was really, really cool. It was really, really fun. And now when I'd go to the hospital, I looked like this. I looked like a question mark. My back would go out so bad. And so I was physically struggling with this job. It was an unexpected change. And it was looking, at, looking right in my eyes, right in my face. So Heather and I, knowing that change is constant, went to the other constant, we went to God. We sought him out. And we kept in mind Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. And, and, and this is what it says. He, he's talking to Christians, and he's, he's trying to remind everybody to present. This is, this is uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul. He reminds all these Christians to present themselves, or their bodies, he actually says, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. In other words, God wants us to serve him. And Heather and I, being Christians for a while, knew that God, no matter what kind of changes I went through or she went through or we went through as a couple, God wanted us to serve. He said, and then Paul said this, when you serve, when you sacrifice in that way, this is your spiritual worship. And then he goes on, he says this, and I think it's so interesting. He says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't love stuff. Don't love power. Don't worship your title or your degree, don't get overly invested in money, don't worship that, but be transformed, be changed by the renewal of your mind, by how you think. Be changed by that. That by testing, you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So knowing this, my wife and I, we tested, we we explored Obviously, we explored God's word. We prayed. We had discussions with our friends. We had discussions with Pastor Joe Whitwer. And after all these conversations, uh, we listened, and we felt like the Lord said, go. Go, become a pastor. And so we went on staff at Life Center. I worked for Joe Whitwer for three years over there. And I got to tell you, that was an unexpected change in my life. An unexpected change. So that's the first type, unexpected. Obviously, the second type would be an expected change. An expected change. You know it's coming. You know it. You're either told it's coming, you know it's coming, this isn't going to be a surprise. So you, you, try to, you, you try to work around that. In 2002, I'm at Life Center, I'm working away, and at this time, I'm actually working with Kurt Bubna, our senior pastor here. 
And I loved working with Kurt. He was fun. He was cool. And Kurt came to me one day, and he said, Brian, i got to tell you something. Um, I think I'm going to plant a church in Spokane Valley. And so there we were again, looking at change, because I love Kurt. I wanted to stay working for Kurt. He's, he's a good guy, but he gave me this heads up that this change was coming. So expect a change, Brian. There's going to be a change in who you report to. There's going to be a change in this and change in that. And I could tell, because I'd worked with him for a couple of years, that without saying it, he was looking at me with that, hey, do you want to come with look? You know, hey, do you want to plant this church with me look? He didn't say it, but he had it in his eye. And so my wife and I, we had another decision to make. And we had a heads up on this one. Do we go with Kurt when he plants the church in the valley? So there it was again, change staring at us right in the face. So what did we do? Again, we sought out the other constant in our lives. We sought out Jesus Christ. We got on our knees and we prayed. You know, in Hebrews 13, 8, I actually referenced this earlier, but it says this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And one of the things I truly believe is that in the New Testament, the, the letter to the Colossians, it basically says that everything we need to know about God is seen in the person of Jesus Christ. So if you know Jesus, you know God. And, you know, and if you know Jesus, you know Jesus listens. You know that Jesus loves you. You know that he's active in our lives. You know that he is working for the good of those who love him. So my wife and I, we, keeping all this in mind, we decided to go on a camping trip to ponder this for a little bit. And honestly, I had a couple different decisions to make because even though we loved working with Kurt, coming out of the medical field is hard. If, you, if any of you are you know, doctors, nurses, or do anything else in the medical field, it's a concrete kind of science. It's an if-then kind of thing. It's algorithmic. If this happens, then you do that. It's very structured. It's, it's just, in, in some ways, it can get a little crazy, but for the most part, it's kind of smooth because either this works or it doesn't. And I was used to that kind of thinking. And after three years in ministry, I felt like I had jumped into a Picasso painting. You know? You ever seen a Picasso painting where the nose and the eye, you can't tell, is that a face or is it the back of a horse? I can't even, you know? And, and you're kind of freaked out by that. And I felt a little freaked out for ministry. I was like, honey, this is hard. I love doing it. But it's very difficult for me because I was wired so differently. And so at the beginning of this camping trip, she asked me, she goes, what do you think? Should we stay or should we go? And I said, I, I think I... I think I might even want to go, you know, try to go back into medicine if I can or do something because I, as much as I love being a pastor, I just don't know. But we went camping and for five days we seriously prayed and sought the Lord. And at the end of that, we came together and the Lord had told me and had told my wife and we, and we said, we're going to come together and we're going to talk about what we really feel like God said to us. And we both felt like God said, go with Kurt. Go with Kurt. So we sought him out and he spoke to us and I've got to tell you, um, it's been an honor to be with Kurt and to be with you guys. 11 and a half years, pretty cool. And, and so Joe sent us, he sent us with the support of Life Center and all the pastoral leadership there. And, and boy, uh, Kurt and I and our families, we stepped into change. And like I said, it's been incredible. So unexpected change can take place in expected change. Sometimes you get a heads up. Sometimes you know it's coming. And that's nice. That can be helpful. But now, how do you handle it when it comes? How do you handle change? Are there any approaches? I, I think there's honestly three different approaches. And I want to share the first one with you. The first one is just don't plan for it. Don't plan for it. 
Now, typically, we'd expect not planning for it to fit mostly with the unexpected changes because this happened, you didn't plan for it, so you're shocked and you just move on, right? And you just deal with it. But this is certainly prevalent with the expected changes, isn't it? Sometimes we know change is coming, but we don't want to think about it. We don't want to worry about it. We ignore the fact that that change is coming. Some of us might just be in denial. Some of us might be lazy. Some of us might be too busy with other things to really consider change. I mean, when you're young, when I was 15 years old, when I went out for pizza, um, I was 6'2". I actually weighed more than I do now. I wasn't, I was, you know, basketball and all this different rock climbing. I could eat a medium pizza from any restaurant we went to. If I ate a medium pizza now, I would gain 12 pounds and probably pass out for two days. You know, that's what happens after 20 years. But at 15 years old, I just thought, I'm not dying. My body can handle anything. It's like a nuclear reactor. It'll just nuke it, turn it to dust, right? I didn't realize that when you hit 19, your body starts to, you know, actually lose more cells than it uh, produces. So keep in mind, if you're a teenager, when you hit 19, you're going to be dying just like the rest of us, okay? (laughs) Change. Change, change, change. You know, uh, sometimes we have stable jobs. And we don't worry about them. We don't plan. We don't make another resume. We don't think about other jobs because our job is stable, right? And so if a change happens, we're caught. We don't know what to do. (laughs) Well, why not? When you've had a vasectomy, you don't plan on having more kids, right? Because you're like, oh my gosh, did he say that in church? (laughs) Well, the reason I bring that up is I have a friend who is miraculously healed by that twice. And guess how they found out? (laughs) Babies. Bigger family. Didn't plan for that one. I love the comedian, uh, the comedian uh, uh, Jim Gaffigan. Anybody listen to him? He's a hoot. And when he had his fifth child, someone came up to him and said, hey, Jim, what's it like having that fifth baby? And he goes, well, imagine that you're drowning and then someone hands you a baby. <laughs> when there's no plan, you guys, we're forced to react, aren't we? When we don't have a plan, we just kind of punt. We just react. Proverbs 18.15 says this, the heart of the discerning acquires knowledge. It gathers. That person will, will gather knowledge. The ears of the wise seek it out. Proverbs 24.17 says that a discerning person keeps wisdom in view. I love that. A discerning person keeps wisdom in view. The wise person will plan ahead and ponder possibilities. If this happens, then maybe we'll do this. That's just part of being wise. But let's face it, sometimes we just aren't all that wise, are we? There's some things we don't plan for. Some things just happen that, man, we didn't think would ever happen to us. I want to show a picture of my boys in uh, Jonas's room. Uh, that's on the, let's see, on your left, that's Grady. On right is, is uh, Jonas, and that's all a bunch of his stuffed animals over the years. And uh, he, Wally, is that Wally back there? Yeah. And uh, I want to show the next picture of Jonas's room. Uh, this is after a fire we had on April 24th or 25th, I think it was. And uh, I think we have one more picture of the corner where it started. Uh, that pile right there was actually a plastic, part of it was a big plastic Lego container that melted into a blob. 
It was so hot in the room, it burned through his door. It cooked our house for two hours. Our living room, although it was not on fire, was 800 degrees. It melted anything plastic in the room. Our kitchen was ruined. Everything was ruined on the main floor. Didn't plan for that. Now you can show the next picture if you'd like. Now, we started to, they, they are gutting the house. That's not what it looks like after the remodel. They're actually tearing it out. That piano was ruined, and um, the floors are actually gone, and every, all the joists are painted white. It's been a very slow process because everything smells so bad in the house from the fire because it burns slow and long. And it was a tough thing to go through and something we didn't plan for. And ironically, my two boys, about a year, year and a half before, had some homework one day, and they brought it home, and you know what it was? It was a fire escape plan. And I thought that was so cute, you know? And so we did the fire escape plan with them, and we filled all that stuff out. And I was thinking to myself, how could that possibly ever happen to us? I mean, our house is only 65 years old, right? It can't possibly have any wiring issues. Well, it did happen, and it was unexpected. It was unplanned for. So what did we do? What did we do? We went to the other constant. We trusted God would do something with this mess, and it was a mess. Like I said, the main floor was gone. Probably the hardest thing is that our pets all died. We, have a, we had a seven-month-old puppy that we just loved, and we lost her. We lost our foot-and-a-half-long bearded dragon, which we invested a lot in. I used to feed it with a syringe, if you can believe that. Um, and we were just in shock for two weeks. I, I didn't even remember the first two weeks. We were in hotels the first 10 days. But my wife and I, we remembered what Jesus said in John 14 when he said, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, but trust in me too. Trust in me. I'm on it. doesn't mean he caused it, but he does love us, and he's helping us and blessing us. And do you know who God used to bless us? He used you guys. <clears throat> and the gifts just poured in. They just poured in. And, 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 you know, the money was generous. And, but I got to tell you that half our stuffed animals are replaced <laughs> because of you guys. We have half those. We have, we're in an apartment right now, and we have Legos everywhere, thanks to you guys. Our boys, all of their Legos melted into blobs, and so all their Legos um, were, were replaced. And I, I just, you guys, thank you for that because that just showed us what the Lord can do and, and through you. And that was such a blessing. So thank you for that. So sometimes, guys, we don't plan for change. We don't plan for it. But some of us do. Some of us have the second approach. Some of us just plan for it. We just plan for it. We think about it. We prepare for it. We deal with it. And when, if it happens, you know, if the change takes place, we have, we're prepared. We deal with it. We just don't know when it'll happen. Now, you're still kind of reacting with this decision, but it's not as crazy as not having any plan at all. I mean, after all, the wise seek out knowledge. That's what wisdom is. One of the things I've always planned for in my life after I finished my undergraduate is I wanted to go back and get a master's degree. In fact, 18 years ago when I was dating my wife, I told her, I said, that's, that's a goal for me personally. We're both sharing personal goals for us as a couple, for us individually. And one of mine was, I want to go back to school. That's something I love to do. It was, it was just a, a goal for me. And, and for many years, my wife and I discussed this, but we've just never had the money for it. 
Well, back in 2007, uh, Pastor Jeff and I were talking, and he was going, man, I want to go back to school. And I was like, I want to go back to school too, but we're pastors, you know, we drive cars that are worth hundreds of dollars. And um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, school's not cheap. And so I think it was Jeff, I can't, I can't quite remember, but Jeff, he called, he was calling around all these different universities, and we got wind of this thing called the Liberty Baptist Fellowship. And so I got online, and I applied to it, and he applied, applied to it. I thought, well, it was just some kind of scholarship, so I'll just apply. Well, Jeff and I both got this scholarship, and it wasn't just any kind of scholarship. It was a free ride through, master, through, for, uh, through graduate school. And, b- and both Jeff and I got it. And in four and a half years, I actually finished a master's, and Jeff got like 12 or 15 degrees or something like that in that amount of time. And I'm like, dude, you're such a nerd. Go do something fun. I love to study. Let's read Greek. You know? (laughs) He is a brainiac. I've got to admit that. But it was such a blessing for us to to get, you know, to, to know that this scholarship was on the way. We expected it. And so I began to plan for this thing. So I talked to my wife. I said, hey, what kind of degree should I get? Because, I mean, I could do the seminary and I could do something else. I talked to Kurt about it at length, and I talked to my father-in-law, Pastor Tom, who worked here for a number, a number of years now. He's, uh, he, he and uh, his, his wife Susie live down in, in Texas, and we miss them much, but we talked to him quite often. But he, even they had different uh, ideas, but they all came together, and they said, listen, don't do seminary. All of them told me this. Don't do seminary. Get a counseling degree because you're a caregiver. You're hardwired that way. And I thought, you know what? That was what was on my heart, too. And so, in addition to them, Heather and I, we also went to that one constant. We went to Jesus again. Because we knew in Proverbs 19, it says this, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. In other words, God's influence matters, and it matters a lot. It matters a lot. So we sought him out from beginning to end in this process. And and if you've ever finished a master's degree, you know it just takes a lot of work. And some of you are smarter, like Jeff, and you can just whip it out, you know, and, and get it done in like a year or something. For me, I'm fascinated by small, shiny objects, so it took me four and a half years, okay? And there were times where I did not want to finish it. I didn't. But God gave us what we needed to get through it, because my wife was part of this process, too. So you guys, we can choose to not plan for changes, but we can choose to plan for changes, and that can make a difference. Or, and I think more importantly, and this is number three, we can initiate changes. We can initiate the change. That's not always easy to do. We just don't plan for change. We initiate it. We move to make it happen. There's a quote I came across, and I I don't know who originally said it, but it basically says this, if, if you do not create change, change will create you. And change is always happening in all these different ways all the time. It will create you. So let me ask this this question. Does stress control you, or do you control stress? That's a good question, isn't it? Does stress control you, or do you control stress? If if you made a list of high-priority items, or topics, or issues, or circumstances in your life, if you made that list, and in that list you circled the ones that you were able to change, would you make an effort to change them? What would they be? High priority items that you can change. Is it that you want to parent better? Is it that you want to spend more time with your friends or your spouse or with the Lord? Maybe you want to go back to school. 
Maybe you want to get healthier in your eating and in your exercise. I don't know. What is it? What is it for you? What, what question is going through your head? Well, Kurt, who I've been, like I said, been with for 15, 16 years. I've known this guy now. Every year, he'd come to me a couple times a year, and he'd say, Brian, what do you want to do with your professional life? Where do you want to be in two years? Where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10, 15, or 20 years? If you know Kurt, he loves to think ahead. He's always thinking about this stuff. But that question was a good question. In fact, I would categorize that question as a high-priority item. For me, for me, that is a high-priority item. And i got to be honest, at some point with this counseling degree that I'm done with now, I would like to be a fully independent licensed counselor. That's one of my hopes. And my hope 20, 30 years from now is to retire working part-time as a pastor and part-time as a professional counselor. That's just a goal, and I've talked several times with Kurt about this. And Kurt has always challenged me to think about this stuff. And I care about what Kurt thinks. Not just because he's my friend and pastor, but because God wants me to value his counsel. Listen to this. This is out of Hebrews 13, 17. It's from a paraphrase of scripture called The Message. And it says this. Be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the condition of your lives and work under the strict supervision of God. Contribute to the joy of their leadership, not its drudgery. Why would you want to make things harder for them? Interesting passage. You see, guys, Kurt personally has invested a lot in me, and I want to honor him by getting his thoughts and hearing his wisdom and gaining his counsel. So Kurt's counsel, as well as the counsel of others in my life, uh, really have always had an impact on me. So guys, I'm here to tell you this morning, I'm taking the initiative. I'm going to make a change. This fall, starting in September, um, I will be transitioning off staff and into full-time counseling as a licensed mental health counselor. However, I'm not leaving East Point. I'll still be around, still be serving in a number of ways. Three days a week, I will still have an office here, but I'll be meeting with people as a counselor, as a professional counselor. Two days a week, I'll be working um, on the kind of the corner of 4th and University with Michelle White and Associates, which is a professional counseling group. And I'm going to work towards my independent license. Now, I am not going to be paid staff. Now, I'm going to earn an income through the counseling I provide. I'm going to have a, an affordable sliding scale. I'll be taking insurance. I will be doing some pro bono. I'll be seeing individuals, couples, families. So if you or someone needs some counseling, give me a call. <laughs> And for now, you can just call the church number if that's something you're looking for. I am starting to see people this summer, too. And, and guys, this is really scary for me. You know, I gave up one job I love, I loved 15 years ago, and I love being a pastor, and I love working with Matt and Kurt and all the other guys and all the other gals that are on our staff. I do. Um, but I have a lot of peace about that, and here's why. I choose to trust the one who's constant, I choose to trust Jesus Christ. It's, it's true that change is constant, but that's just a thing. Time is just something that tells us where and when something happened, that's all. It doesn't care about you. You can't hold 815 in your hand and say, thank you for loving me so much, 815. You can't do that. But Jesus loves you, and he's constant. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Tomorrow. 
He cares for you. He cares for me. God cares for us. And trusting him, you guys, brings incredible results in our lives. There's incredible results in trusting Jesus. Listen to Philippians 4. It says this. Paul wrote this. He said, don't be anxious about, every, about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, that means to ask, okay, to petition, to plea even, but with, uh, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. God, help me. I don't know what to do here. And then here's the results. Listen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is such a beautiful passage. It doesn't say he will make you healthy and wealthy and make everything all better. It says he's going to give you things that are going to be far better than that. He's going to give you peace. He's going to give you this incredible supernatural ability to guard your heart and how you think. So don't be afraid of change. Bring that change to Jesus and ask for his help because he's the giver of peace and he wants to give you that. He does, regardless of what you're going through. And there's some of you sitting here today going, hey man, I've, I've been thinking about the Jesus thing and uh, there's reasons why I could believe it and not believe it and I've been thinking about it for a while and I just don't know. Well, here's my challenge to you. Make a change today. Make a change today. Begin your relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said this. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That was a tough that was a tough verse for me in college because when I was in college and I had hair down the middle of my back and I wore a ponytail and it was all weird and goofy. Um, <laughs> I got to be honest, um, this really challenged me because Jesus is saying it's just me. I'm the one. I'm the way. I'm the truth. Not other things, not other faiths. It's just me. So my challenge for you today is make a change. Accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. In fact, I'm going to say a prayer right now. Let's just bow our heads together. And, and here's my challenge. If you're here today and you're ready to make a commitment to Jesus Christ, if you're ready for that, as the band returns, I'm going to say a prayer for you right now. And you can just repeat it quietly to yourself, okay? Lord, <laughs> Jesus, I'm ready for a change. I'm ready to start new. I'm ready to trust that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I'm ready to believe that you can bring me peace in the midst of change that is both good and that is hard and bad and, and difficult. I'm ready for that. So come into my life. I will follow you. I will trust you as my Lord and Savior, and I will learn, learn, learn more about you, Lord. That's what being a disciple is. And I pray and I ask all that in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Now listen, if you said that prayer this morning, we have these little packets that say New Believer Packet. I want you to grab one of those. You can get them on the way out, or you can come up here and I'll give you one. And the other thing is, would you please tell somebody, come and tell me, tell someone you're sitting next to that you made that decision, because we want to see you grow closer to the Lord. We do. This is what we're going to do right now. We are going to invite the ushers to come forward. And we are going to worship as we give. Change is coming. You're going to not plan for it? You're going to plan for it or are you going to initiate it? Because that's what we'll choose. One of those three things, that's for sure.
I want to close a little bit differently at the end of the service. I actually want us to read a prayer together. It's kind of a famous prayer. It's called the Serenity Prayer. So I'd like us just to read it as a prayer. I'll say amen, and then I'm going to dismiss you, okay? Let's read it. Just say it with me. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Guys, God bless you the rest of your holiday weekend. If you need some prayer, please come up. We'll have the prayer team up here to pray with you. God bless. Have a great rest of the day.